the Lord. Hallelujah. Please be seated. We started, for those of you who are just um, joining us today, started to look at the life of Moses. Moses at 40, Moses at 80, and today I will look at Moses at 90, but I'll give it um, a title, Laboring Effectively Unto the End. Laboring effectively unto the end. The workers retreat as a focus, the effective workers, effective service provider. I'll try to avoid looking at the, the many of effective workers since we started. I just felt I should just dim light upon our lives. I just know that once we are the kind that God wants us to be, we have no choice that can be effective. It does that way. I have a persuasion in my heart that God has no problem with his work. If he has problem at all, it is with the man. And as long as God could get the man to be the kind of person he wants him to be, everything will fall in place. Struggling with people to keep some rules, to do certain things. I'm thinking that basically it's just about who they are. Once the Lord handles that for us, I don't think there is a problem anywhere. A young man and a woman were in my house. Uh, they were trying to, well, at that time, about to get married. And they wanted me to speak to them. I looked straight to their eyes and I told them that if you see any good marriage, it's made of two good people. Weak blocks cannot produce strong building. No matter how good the civil engineer may be, no matter how proficient he may be, when the materials are bad, his work will be bad. I told them that what you need to do is to be the kind of person God wants you to be. If you work on that, you have a good marriage. Don't fight with my wife about food because food is not there or food is late and I'll be fighting her. I said, for what? Because the word of God has come to make me to know that she's in my life not to cook. She's here for something stronger than cooking. I said, it's development, growth that brought me that. Some other men may fight their wives because of food. I won't blame them. It's their level of growth. They are still baby. It's only baby that cry for food. Now, I've not said, don't cook for your husband. <laughs> They said, were you in church this morning when Brario said? <laughs> That's not what I was trying to say. No, no, no. Please cook for your husband some sumptuous meal. Yes, he deserves it. <laughs> Please don't leave your wife in the kitchen to do everything. Please assist her so that you can enjoy her for a long time. She came to help you, not to take over the job. You are the one doing it before. She said, help. And I'm serious about what I'm talking about. I'm not talking marriage here. I'm talking about workers, but I just veer into that. Maybe it's, some, maybe it's a message for somebody here. Assist your wife. It does not affect her. No, it doesn't reduce grace. It doesn't, it doesn't tamper with your status. It doesn't make you less a man. No. See how the sisters are responding. It means they are suffering in silence. Let's do it. I assist my wife. As a matter of fact, the care of our room, our bathroom, is my personal responsibility. She has too much to do. And to also ask her to fix our room, it's my personal responsibility. To sweep our rooms, to clean our toilets, our bathroom, my personal responsibility. I do it. I left here yesterday, got to the kitchen, met some plates in the sink, washed it. Washed the one I used to eat and washed everything I made. I won't ask who used this to eat. No, just go ahead and wash. I'm talking about a Christian family though. Christian family. Christ-centered family. I'm not talking about what happens in the world. I'm talking about what happens in the world. Am I making sense to you at all? 
Yes. Maybe some other time we'll be talking about marriage. Yes. The first book I wrote is about marriage. I titled it Single Without Sin. It looked like it was single, alone for marriage. Singe is in King James English in the book of Daniel. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and their air was not singed. So single without being bonds, without bonds. And I know that a lot of people have suffered bonds in marriage. So let me go into marriage. Let me come back. <laughs> I want to look at Moses age of 120. We're just going to look at him very briefly because of time. And I would like to, I wish I could split it into about two or three parts. I'll try and see how I could present this matter such that it applies to those of us who have committed ourselves or about to commit or recommitting ourselves to the service of the Lord. And those of us who are still thinking, I'm a member of Fountain of Living Water not more, not less. But I like to say to you, like I would tell myself, anybody that God is not using is useless. <laughs> you, can't, you can't claim to be used of God. I mean, to be used by something else, useful for something else, useful somewhere else, and you're not useful for the Lord. I guess you remember the fig tree that Jesus caused. Jesus was hungry, and he saw this fig tree full of leaves. And in his mind, he thought he would get something to eat from that tree. And he went there with very grave expectation. It's not just that he wanted to snack, um, nibble at something. He was really hungry. He wanted to eat. And he got there, and there was... Perhaps he found nothing there at all. Now, I'm sure that that cannot be... Permit me, I'm not faulting the Bible. But that cannot be completely true, that he found nothing there at all. That leaves there. There was something on that tree. Perhaps birds of the air. Perhaps nests made by birds of the air. Perhaps lizard and squirrel climbing and descending. So there, there was something on, on the tree. Just like I also said, we, we have toiled all night without nothing. It's not possible. If you are very close to those who fish, you know it's not possible to throw a net into the sea and you will catch not. Grass, spent shoes, empty bottles of Coca-Cola, you know, you will catch there's something. But Peter called them nothing because that's not what he was looking for. Jesus saw nothing on that tree because other things present on that tree was not what he was looking for. What he was looking for was food. As long as there was no food, there was nothing. So a man could be very busy doing nothing, fully engaged. And Jesus looks at him and said, you are doing nothing. But this is not what I want you to do. Now, the Bible said because it was not yet time for feed or food. Very serious, legitimate excuse. In other words, if you visit any other fig tree at that time, you will find no fruit on it. So why should Jesus cause this? That's the question I ask. So what's the offense of this tree? Now, in my mind, I know that it's possible that people with fearers will just come in the afternoon and sit under this tree because tired. They open their bags and they bring their snacks and they eat a roasted yam and they eat. They say, thank God for this tree and God. And then they start again to journey towards wherever they were going and then rats will come and feed on the crumbs and they will also say thank God for this fig tree. So the fig tree was useful. However, there was just one reason for that tree to be there. When Jesus will be hungry, he will provide food for Jesus. That it's not yet time for fig tree to food. It's not an excuse. As long as it was time for Jesus to eat. No man has bidden on the ass because it was not yet time for that ass to carry anybody or to carry anybody. Yet, that ass did not say, excuse me, it's not yet time for me to be written. The master needs me, I'm here. 
available. Jesus rode on that ass. So I like to say to you that, I don't know, I don't know. I, sometimes I just feel like not bothering you with um, my own way of looking at issues, my own way of responding to issues, my own way of living, you know. I just feel to allow you to take your decisions, you know, take your time. And if you are persuaded that this is how you should go, then you can just, can just take off. What I want to say to you, that one, you are planting of the Lord. And God is not an horticulturist, he's a farmer. When he plants, he's expecting fruit. He doesn't plant ornamental trees. No, no. When he plants, he's expecting fruit. When he gives you the sun, gives you nutrients, gives you education, gives you new job, gives you everything that you are looking for. Don't take him for granted. I'm telling you, people will say, thank God for you. You helped me when I needed help. Thank God for you, you pay my house rent. Thank God because you did this for me. Thank God because you were there when I needed this. Thank God because you gave me this counsel. Beautiful. But let it not be that when he needs you and what he's looking for in your life is not available for him. Everybody who says thank God for that victory couldn't say it so again because it's withered. In our house in Ibadan, we have a large compound and um, we have some trees that we planted there. We have grass. You know, I love green. My wife does it. I love green. So in dry season like this, personally, I like to wet the trees. I have um, cashew there. I have guava there. I have um, sour soap there. I have lime there. So I go there to wash or to wet or my daughter will go there and wet. So you find out that the grass around the trees are very green. Others are dry. This one is green. Enjoying the blessing of the tree. And if I feel that they are, they are not allowing the tree to enjoy the water and remove them. Don't joke with God, please. Don't take it for granted. When he makes investments in our lives, it's for himself. When he gives you good health, it's for himself. When he gives you a good job, it's for himself. As a matter of fact, he didn't decide to come into this world. He decided to send you here. You might have forgotten him. You might have thought, in fact, you might be thinking right now, that it's my life. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. There's no free man on these streets. No. Paul said so. Paul said, look, spirits lusted against the flesh. And the flesh lusted against the spirit so that you cannot do what you want to do. Nobody does what you want to do. It's either you do what God wants to do. You do what the devil wants you to do. I know the devil does not make anything. He's simply a thief, simply an hijacker. So this morning, I want you to look at Moses. You may not be able to deal with everything that, that I could see in his life at 120. But I'm going to read two, two chapters, just few verses in the two chapters. Deuteronomy 33, Deuteronomy 34. I'll just read those two chapters and then some few verses there. And then we discuss, then we pray. Let me read verse 1 of chapter 33. I wish I could read the entire chapter. But let me just read verse 1. It's beautiful. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, man of God, blessed the children of Israel for his death. And I read verse 6, 7. Let Reuben live and not die. And let not his men be few. Even though my heart is not desiring to wait here. But let me call your attention to it. When Jacob, the father of Reuben, was going to die, Jacob said, Reuben, you are my strength. You are the proof of my manhood. Excellent in power, but you will not excel. And there and there, Jacob placed a curse on Reuben. His first book. Because Reuben didn't do well. Reuben had a chance. 
And you know that's the problem with sin. Sin will appear little before you commit. Then becomes something massive after you have committed it. I read that scripture and I was wondering that, that, that Reuben, the lady that Reuben slept with, the Bible described her as Jacob's concubine. Okay? Now, so Reuben slept with his father's concubine. But when Jacob was going to say, Jacob said, you went to my bed. In other words, you slept with my wife. In other words, you slept with your mother. You're going to ask the Bible. So when the devil tempts a man, he makes you to look at sin as something very small. The wound of a snake bite is very small, but the effect is very devastating. When a snake bites a man, and you look at it, it's a small wound. Eh? <laughs> no, it's not. That cause that Jacob placed on Reuben, live with Reuben. I don't want to trace the story. It's a long story. But Moses, at 120, had grown in relationship with God. He had grown in grace. He had grown in authority. Your grandfather hosts you, Reuben. But today, I declare, let Reuben leave. Moses reversed that course. You know, about two years ago, I can't remember now, I was in Kaduna to preach first Baptist church Kaduna. And I noticed that in that assembly, quite a number of aged were in that assembly. Massive church. First Baptist church Kaduna. Massive. I remember what I was preaching about. But that, I just read into the issue of Basilai, that friend of David, that gave David all kinds of stuff when um, Absalom led an insurrection against him. And when David got the kingdom back, David said to Basilai, come with me. I will make you good. Come and live with me in the palace. I want to compensate you for what you are for me. Basilai looked at David and said, look, I'm old. In five years, my bone can't taste good food anymore. My ears can't discern good music anymore. I will be a body to you in the palace. Let my son follow you. So, I needed to address the elders in that congregation. Many of them are working in government offices and there are people in government offices. Been there. And I told them, if you die without plugging these young ones, where you need to plug them, you will have lived in vain. Because I know what they do in the north. Now you are there, you can push them inside and establish them. But if you retire, and then you say, I have a son, after you have left office, I want you to employ him. They will look at you and say, you will finish your tenure. We're here. And I know what, what Muslim can do. took great battle for some of us on our knees to still retain University of Ibadan in the hands of Christians to have a VC as a Christian. And I told the brethren there, it's a battle we must fight. Once Muslim gets in there, forget it. I don't know why Christian hates their brothers. I don't know why. I cannot have space somewhere and I will not pull my brothers there. It's not possible. So why are you there? But they are first for us. For the kingdom's sake. I'm talking about laboring effectively until the end. Basilai understood that he was already all spent. But he has a son who could enjoy that blessing. So he plucked his son in the palace. And you know we are blessed in this place. Because we have very young people here. We don't have so much old people here. I'm not a football fan, though I watch it occasionally. But I'm not, I'm not um, that kind of person that gets excited because somebody is playing. What's my business? Somebody is collecting money, I'm shouting here. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. But I just noticed that suddenly, when they were coming into the football a pitch, I have a small boy holding in their hands. Have you noticed that? That says something to me. I want to raise the next generation. I want to create interest in those young ones in what they are doing. And I want to say to you that our work, our service will not be effective if we are not raising men after us. Now, when I read this 
scripture. I will read to a point where Moses handed over to Joshua. Okay? And that was a great man. He asked Joshua, who did you raise to take over from you? No, he raised a stone. He said, this stone shall be a witness between me and you that you will serve God. Even being dead there, they know serve God. A stone will make them serve God. Laboring effectively until the end. Demands that we must not, I'm not sure we have old men here. Maybe we have some, some of our grandmas here. Not sure. But what I want to say to you is, it's terrible now. I don't want to talk about what's going on outside there. But all of us are on social media. We see what's going on among our young people. We see the spirit of killing, the spirit of ritual killing. People are doing money rituals. Either they use blood of people physically or technologically. Everybody is... Um, I don't want to go there. It makes me to feel so sad because I don't know how we got here. I honestly don't know. Some of us that started our journey in the faith in the 70s would not have believed it would come to this point at all. I was privileged to come to know the Lord early. Okay, I was in the secondary school in 77. I gave my life to Christ. The investment on our lives there is paying off today. We must invest because it looks as though our younger generations seem to be operating under a cause must reverse that course. It's part of the work I have to do. Am I making sense to you? Lay hold of one on your streets and raise him or her for Christ. Deliberate about it. You may not be able to come on this pulpit to preach once. Yet you will have raised life. Aquila, Prisla, they never preach on the pulpit. They lay hold on Barnabas. They drew him to their house and they show him the way properly. And the man became a very effective preacher of the word of God. If not for the records of the Bible, would not have known. Was it Barnabas or Apollos? It was Apollos. Apollos. But let Reuben live and not die. And let not his men be few. Let him live. Permit Reuben to live. Yes, that was a time he got it wrong. Now, we'll make it right. We must let Reuben live. The strength of our nation is being wasted every day. And there seems to be no hope for this country. Some of us believe so strong, so strongly in a new Nigeria. I have a son because I preach about Nigeria so much among brethren around me. And one of my sons in the faith wrote a hymn that shall be a new Nigeria. At a point, myself and Stephen and one other son, we sang it up on the social media. That shall be a new Nigeria. Let Nigeria live and not die. So let's break into pieces. Yes, I feel that we helped. What I see in the Bible does not look so. Picture that I see in the Bible does not look so. See the tabernacle in the west. That is where you have the Ark of Covenant and everything inside the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. The west end. I see the gates at the east end. I see cotton on the north end. I see cotton on the south end. That describes Nigeria. The west end here. This is where we have the spiritual headquarters of Nigeria. The word of God dwells in the southwest here. The quarters of any serious ministry is in the southwest here. In fact, we have prayer city in the southwest. Nobody prays in Nigeria like the southwest. I've traveled everywhere in this country. Not east, south, 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 north, east, south, east, everywhere. Preach. Even when it was tough to preach in the north, I've been there to preach in the north. I think I met Shegun in Zaria in his school days. Come to preach at ABU Zaria. Even when it was terrible, and brethren would say, don't go. I said, we must preach. God has helped us over the years. Let Nigeria live. The north, you don't have anybody in the military like the northern. And that's what I see on the northern part of the tabernacle. Cutting, fence. In the south, you have cutting there, fence. That's where our economy runs on oil in Nigeria. Money is for defense. 
It's perfect picture of Nigeria I have read in the Bible. So that's why I'm not praying that it will break. Even though it looks as though we should break. I think God's hand is behind this. Nigeria will live and not die. And I want to see Nigeria living. You and I, we are the soul of this country. We will use the word of God and we use the grace that God bequeathed us to cause Nigeria to live. It's the way to walk. We must be deliberate about it. We must be intentional about it. We must, we must, I don't know, it, you know, it, it's Sunday service, Sunday message, so I don't want to go into uh, technical details that might, might not, um, you may find boring as it were. But I know that we are, we are well-read people. You understand what I'm talking about. Forget about, I've told people, we have to be involved in politics. But I'm not talking politics. I'm not a politician. I won't be there. If we can't have it in 2023, we can have it four years later. We can start to plan now and pray now and act now. We're coming there. Verse 7, and this is the blessing of Judah. And he said, hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him unto his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him and be thou and help to him from his enemies. I know that Judah is not the second born, but this is, this, is, this is God speaking through Moses. And let the voice of Judah be heard by the Lord. May we come to that point in our service unto God that prayers of the brethren will be heard by God. May we come to that point in our service unto the Lord that God will not be able to turn his ear away from our prayers. For me, it's, 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 it's a way to serve God. To serve God to a point where men will be praying and God will respond. If we say a lot of prayers or we make a lot of prayers or we pray a lot of prayers, whichever one is applicable in this context, or we get very little results. You know, my generation will not ask questions. Not bothered. Why? Vigils upon vigils. We're not getting it. But Moses, at 1.20, said, Let the Lord hear the voice of Judah. And let Judah be brought to his people. Let his hand be sufficient for him. I pray that prayer for you. That God will make your hand to be sufficient for you. Amen. You will never beg. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, as Moses was doing all of that, I, I can't read the entire chapter. You know, it looks as though I should read on and on and on and on. But let me just skip. But these were blessings that Moses blessed the people of Israel before he died. I won't forget that that's how Jesus also prayed for his enemies before he died. I hope you remember. That's how Stephen also, that of Stephen, is a serious matter for me. He stoned Stephen and he was about to die. He knew he couldn't make it. And then he said, unto thy hand I commit my spirit. What should follow next that should fall asleep? Having said that, what I read in my Bible was that, and he knelt down and he cried with a loud voice and he prayed for those who are stoning him. This sin not lay to their charge. And he fell asleep. And those men challenged my heart and they are still challenging my heart. That Stephen felt that it would be wrong for him to die without blessing those cursed people. I know in a short while you may want to change your job and live where you are now. Please don't leave until you have caused a change to occur there. People should remember you. Say so when so-so person was here, that's when things changed for better for us. 
Only if when you have not impacted upon the lives of people there, you can get to a place and the place will remain the same. And you will leave that place the same. It means you didn't come there. It must be the principle by which we live. As Christians, you don't leave a place without making impact. Even if you have spent 10 minutes there, let them know that the 10 minutes this brother spent here, 10 minutes this sister spent here, we can't forget, has left a mark here that will ever be found. Now, let me, let me run so close. Chapter 34. Moses went up from the plains of Moab. I'm reading from verse 1 now, excuse me. Moses went up from the plains of Moab onto the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, unto Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar. The Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to sit with thy eyes, for thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Now, that story looks very simple to me. But I'd like to just draw your attention to a few things that, that surrounded the death of Moses so that I could make appeal to those of us who are still young, to those of us who are still full of life and energetic, so that together we can decide to give God the best. I said him that we used to sing in those days, give up your best to the master. And I remember the person who has done to be with the Lord now who taught us that hymn, said to us, and I will not forget, before he started to teach us him, he said, you may not be able to give the best to the master. Somebody will be better than you are, but you can give your best. I made up my mind since that day. I may not be able to give the best to him, but I will give my best to him. Many years. I was in the secondary school then when that song, you know, taught in the choir. Moses, can I read so that it will be very clear? Seven. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Alright. Can you please come back to verse 7? Yes, thank you. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eyes was not deep. I hope you, you took note of that. His natural force not abated. I was in the battle a couple of days ago. I was invited by our Reverend Idowani Mashaun. Some of us will remember Idowani Mashaun, Akla King. In those days, he was a juju musician. Okay, yes. Um, he's a father to me, right? Because he married an older sister of my mom. We're quite close. Now he's a servant of God. He has mission. Uh, he runs a mission agency, World Hope. So I was there to preach. And interestingly, it was on his 84th birthday. When I finished the first message, I asked one brother, I want to take you around to see what we're doing here, trying to raise some posters um, for people who want to do retreats. They can come here. I want them to show you around. So he was trying to give him his phone that people were calling him to greet him happy birthday. 
said, Leave that. I didn't see anything. It was trouble in my heart. Came back home praying. Said, God, at 84. Man is still seeing vision. 84. Say, After this retreat, we're going to complete this to use 84. I wrote him the second day. I said, I left you with a body. There was no sign you are doing birthday around you. There was no sign of celebration. All I could see was signs of acceleration to fulfill the vision God has given to you. I said, I'm a debtor. At 120, his eyes are not deep. He has not lost the vision that he caught when he was 40 that he could not correctly interpret it, which he was able to interpret at 80. 40 years down the line, it was still sharp, clear, not distorted. At 120. Now, now, forget about the fact that he was not using glasses like me. Yes, that's something. Because that man had the opportunity to behold the backside of God. So there was, there was, there was a transformation of a complete configuration of his eyes. A man who has seen God cannot lose his sight. But that's not what is exciting me about this man. What's exciting me about this man was that even to the day he was going to die, his vision was declared. So how long have you spent in the faith that your focus is distorted? That your vision becomes so blurry, bare, uncertain? How old are you? You are seeing something else. Other than what God has set before you to pursue for him. How old are you? So how many children have you? Now that you can't see well again. Moses was pastoring two million people. His eyes were still very sharp. A vision clear. Well defined. At 120. I'm a debtor. I'm telling you I am. I am. You know, Fridays, some of the brethren around me will pray for Lagos. Tuesdays and Thursdays. And Fridays, I used to send a small letter out to brethren in Ibadan. Everywhere we are connected. Actually, Friday prayer force. And I was raising issues from the book of Acts, chapter 11. In fact, I tried to launch an hashtag, the city of Lagos praying. <laughs> and Peter said, I was in the city of Joppa praying. In a trance, I saw a vision. A great ship sent from heaven. Joppa was a coastal city. If you are a student of the Bible, of course, where Jonah came to board a ship to run away from the presence of God. So I told the brethren, God has brought us to Lagos to pray. So I was telling them that it is not everybody who is in Lagos that is looking for money. No, no. I'm not here because I'm looking for money. Yes, money is good, needed. I'm not averse to money. That's not my primary aim. No. There is something I have seen about Lagos. There's something God has shown me about Lagos that is compelling me to come. I don't want to bother you with all of that. It's my personal issue. However, I want to challenge you. Please. God has given you a vision to pursue in life. Please pursue it. Let nothing change that vision. Don't drop the original and start running after the alternative. That was what happened to Jacob. He saw Raquel, beautiful and dutiful. Unless whether she was a thief or not. He pursued after Raquel. Of course, he got Raquel eventually. But he couldn't take Raquel home. Raquel died on the way. Now, it was when Jacob wanted to die that I knew that Jacob knew that Raquel was not his wife, that his real wife was Leah. So he told his children, when I die and I'm gathered to my people, bury me in the grave where Abraham and Sarah were buried, where Isaac and Rebekah, his wife, were buried, where I buried Leah. So he didn't say they should go and bury him where he buried Raquel. So in death, he understood, or at the point of his death, he understood that he wasted his life chasing after a woman that was not his wife. However, he reconciled with the wife of his youth. He lost focus. He changed focus. Don't let one young man make you to lose your focus, young lady. Don't let one young lady distort your vision. Oh, 
Focus your gaze on Christ. Pursue Him. You will get everything you are looking for in life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Is the way to wealth if you lead wealth. I can assure you. Is the way to fame if you are looking for fame. Right? There is nothing you are looking for. But Jesus is not the way to get it. But beyond that, seek life. Secure your eternity. Disciples. The second part of this, of this verse. Can you come back to that verse 7 please? Deuteronomy 34 verse 7. Thank you. No, it's natural force abated. I want to close with this. Look at a young man. One of the things, you know when I was, I was um, very young, when my father wanted to put thread in the eye of the needle, he would ask me to come and do it for him. He would have been struggling and struggling and struggling. And it's not, I would just go get there in a few seconds. So I just would say, what is difficult in this? <laughs> now I know better. <laughs> now I know better. So a young man looks at himself because he has sharp eyesight, he has sharp eye for girls, he has sharp eyes for technology, he has sharp eyes for money, sharp eyes for every good things of life. He feels he has a lot of years ahead of him because he's strong, he's energetic, he can jump up, he can jump down, he can go anywhere, he can do anything, he can spend all night playing games and he will go for lecture the following morning and nothing is amiss. He can watch film all night and still go to work because he's young and energetic. It's alright. That was how Moses looked like. Sharp eyesight, the strength, the energy within him did not suggest that he will die that he died. Every category of each is in the mug. Anybody can die anytime. You may be very busy, you have time even to sleep, no time to eat, no time to read the Bible, no time to pray, no time to fast, but you have time to die, no matter how busy you are. The fact that you are energetic does not mean that you cannot die. I'm not saying you will, but you can. So remember now that creator in the days of your youth stand to your feet and pray God has blessed us these three days amazingly he has not hid his counsel from us I don't know how much prayer I've gone into this meeting but I can assure you so much prayer must have been to this meeting or to come to us this way first I'd like you to know of course my younger years, I have told myself that I was mistakenly born in Nigeria. That why well, it's not the country I should be born here. But I have come to change my mind. I know God was deliberate bringing me here. It's deliberate bringing you here. Maggot, don't multiply inside salt. It's an insult for maggot to multiply inside salt. We are the salt of the earth, so we are the one to destroy the maggot eating Nigeria. But if maggot keeps multiplying and we are salt, then we are only salt in color, not in savour. So we are going to pray for yourself and Nigeria as a first response God let Nigeria live I am the essence I am the reason for which Nigeria will live Abraham asked God will you destroy Sodom if you have 50 righteous people don't say why, why will I why will Nigeria go into extinction with 50 Christians here? no you can't convince me people have said all oh, man of prophecy Nigeria will do this it will go up in flames and all of that I said I understand God may have shown you okay you have a dream you have a vision I have no problem I have problem with the Bible the Bible is not telling me so if you find 10, will you destroy Sodom? God said, for 10 hours. So what are we talking about? We are the reason Nigeria must live. So we are going to say, let, look, this is fountain of living waters. It's a prophetic name. So it, this water flows from this altar. And everywhere it gets, there must be life there. There must be healing there. We will pray this prayer here, it will affect this nation. Those who take decision over Nigeria, there are few people now, and they are troubling us. We have life here. Let Ruben live and not die. Let Nigeria live. Nigeria is the firstborn of Africa. Let Nigeria live and not die. I am the reason for which Nigeria will live. 
The fountain of living waters is the reason Nigeria will live. This retreat is the, living, is the reason Nigeria will live. We have to reverse the course. Nigeria must have, been, must have misbehaved thoroughly. But we have the power of life. We can cause her to live. So for this workers retreat, that's part of our work. We are sent to the nations. Not only just for the four walls of fountain of living waters. If we are not relevant to this country, we are not relevant at all. Let Nigeria live and not die. Bring Judah to his people. In the name of Jesus, let, let his hand be sufficient for him. God, be the help of Nigeria. We pronounce Nigeria to live and not to die. I am the answer, I am the reason. We are the reason, oh God, who cause Nigeria to live. Bring this prayer point to a close. In Jesus' name we have prayed. One prayer more. And this prayer is a prayer of commitment. Time is gone. You know what I love to do is to ask you to come to the altar. To say, Lord, while I am here, I will serve you with all of my life. Everything it takes. I'm serious about it. I'm dedicating my life unto your service. If you feel like coming to the altar, I won't stop. That's the prayer I will pray. Till Moses died, he was still seeing the vision. Till he died, he was still walking. Till he died, he was speaking. Till he died, he was blessing. I want to live like that. You look at people like Baba Deboy at 80, and that man is still traveling everywhere. You ask him, what is he looking for? Because God has made it a blessing. Why will he go to the grave with those things God has given to him for our generation? We would like to pray, Lord, I, I pledge my life unto you. As long as I live, as long as I live, I will serve you. I, this life, this one you have given me, I don't have to. This one, I will live it for you. I will live this life for you. I will serve you all the days of my life. Every opportunity I have, I will use to serve you. I will use to affect lives. I will use to affect my microenvironment. By the time I am old and I'm gone, they will remember that there was a time a woman lived on earth. And these are her footprints. These are his footprints. Indelible in the sand of life. I have come to, to offer this life unto you. Take it, Lord. I will serve you as long as I live. It's your life. I want to leave it for you. You gave it to me. I'm giving it back to you. Have it as an offering. I came here with nothing. But all you have given me, just make a new wine out of this wine. Just bring new wine out of me. I came here with nothing though. But all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Let me be all that you want me to be. We would like to bring this prayer point to a close as I pray with you right now. In Jesus' name we have prayed.
Lord, if it is money, we have given it before. If it is time we have been. But today, we have come to offer our lives, our essence, totality of our being, everything about us, everything, not a might we withhold. Everything that we have, we lay, we all at your feet, O oh God. We ask that you will take this as a bond offering to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we have come to pledge our lives on as long as we live, we will live for you. As long as we live, we will serve you. Every opportunity we, you give to us, connections, influence, money, skill, position, power that you give to us, we will deploy all onto the service of the kingdom. The earth, Nigeria, this parish, this area, this zone, this region, I mean this province or region, we know we are here. Nigeria, we know we are here. Africa, we know we are here. The entire globe will feel our impact. Thank you, Father. For others, I pray, Lord Jesus. Some are there. They say, look, I'm not sure yet whether I should come to the altar. Lord, I actually want to have my relevance in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray you will help such hearts. Lord, let the revival that your servant crave and pray for, break forth from Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.